0: Amen. Father, we, uh, we just worship you. Thank you for shedding, sending your son to shed his blood for us. And Father, as we have worshiped you through that interpretive dance, God, we thank you for reminding us, and we do kneel before you. We worship you. We cry out to you, hallelujah. Thank you. Behold the lamb. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to the second chapter of Nehemiah. It's in the Old Testament. Put your finger in there and then turn also, after you get to the second chapter of Nehemiah, and it's up here for you on the screens, John 6. And so we're going to look at that passage in Nehemiah and then skip to John and kind of camp out in John. So as you're turning there, let me just share with you kind of a moment, a pastoral moment. Crystal and I uh, and the boys coming, uh, we're thinking that we would have a chance to get to know you and kind of have a laid-back kind of atmosphere for uh, some months in the two-service format that we have, Uh, and maybe, you know, the first of the year or um, sometime months in the future, we'd be able to go back to our three-service format and... uh, Uh, Because obviously there's a little more energy needed to uh, preach three services versus two services. The unfortunate but awesome thing is that we can't wait until the first of the year or, you know, uh, December to go back to that three-service format. Because this service is pretty packed Uh, Over the last few weeks, when I've been in the, I know I was gone to my 20th class reunion. You guys didn't realize I was that old, did you? Uh, But I was gone last week, and uh, I don't know what it was last week, but a couple weeks before that, uh, in higher ground service, people were sitting on the outside on the ground of the wall uh, in there. So that is totally packed in there. So we're going to have to go back to the three-service format. I want you to know that we've thought and prayed and deliberated and fasted and... You know, got everybody's opinion. And there is no good, easy solution. So with that said, here's what, after a lot of wise counsel, what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to have three services. Um, actually, we even, and I'm going to give you a little caveat, we're even talking about a, a fourth and we're going to do something a little different. But let me just share the three. That's where we're going to start. Um, nine o'clock in the gym, um, and that will be a, a service where families can worship together. We think it's important for families if they would like to have an opportunity to worship together. So there'll be no uh, childcare except for the smallest children, uh, birth through like three years old. So families will be able to worship together. That also will do a great thing. It will allow anybody to serve in our children's ministries. Uh, Because I know a lot of people say, well, I can't serve in children's ministry because I'll miss... Uh, a worship service well you don't have to miss a worship service you can worship with your children uh, or you can go to worship and then serve so encourage we still need workers in children's ministry by the way so please sign up you can do that today there it's awesome up there I went up there right before service and it's awesome what's going on I encourage you to sign up and you can do that if you come to the nine o'clock service then at 10 o'clock uh, we will have child care which is kids zone it will be in here so you get to sleep in 30 minutes is that not awesome Okay, you get to come a little later, sleep in a little bit, um, and then the and, the and we'll have kids zone, have children's programming, and then at eleven fifteen, again in the uh, in the uh, in the gym uh, for that service, and it will have a kids zone uh, in the you know throughout. So that's kind of be, be the format. Now here's the other little caveat I wanna, I want to tell you about. What we're talking about too is kind of exploring the idea of having an early morning service that is. A kind of a camp meeting style kind of an all hymn based kind of a service that I know the number of you would really enjoy um, it'll probably be a little briefer service but it'll be in here so that's the next step so let's pack this service out and when we're sitting along the walls like we were in the higher ground service then we'll we'll go to that so we'll have a couple options here in the sanctuary so that's that's the kind of the plan uh, of what we're going to do and just wanted to let you know that that starts October 7th so Uh, that that format change. And you guys are awesome. I heard about all of the different changes that you've gone through at different times. Uh, I'm just glad that you're here today because, uh, you know, at, at 9.30, because of all the different changes, it's probably hard to remember everything, isn't it? The, different, the different, different times that you've met. So, uh, but that'll be easy. 9, 10, 11, 15. Hopefully that won't confuse anybody. So that's kind of the, kind of the plan. Um, if anybody's got, uh, you know, the complaint department, I think, is on the fourth floor. So if anybody's got, uh, just write those, just turn them in in triplicate on the fourth floor. I'll meet you right after service and we'll talk. No, kidding. Thank you for this, your flexibility as we try to, again, bottom line, it would be awesome if we needed to pack this place out five times a week or six times a week or seven times a week to reach people with a wonderful message of the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's what, that's what our goal is. So hopefully you now are, you are uh, in uh, Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah, we've been kind of on this journey through Nehemiah trying to just discern what is God's vision for us? Nehemiah was engaged in a building project. You see the little wall that we're building here. Hopefully, um, uh, you have been here the last couple weeks and we've talked about together this idea of God's building project that that we're uh, talking about uh, here over the next several weeks. In Nehemiah 2... We, we've kind of shared the vision uh, and shared the, uh, this idea that Nehemiah had gotten this vision from God of rebuilding this wall. God had placed on him this idea of what needed to happen. In the second chapter, the 17th and 18th verses, Nehemiah has already gone. He's surveyed the wall, the scripture says. He's, he's walked around. He's checked it out. He's traveled from his captivity in Babylon. Now he's here in Jerusalem. He's checked out the situation. He's called together all of God's people in Nehemiah 2, verse 17, and he t- shares with them the vision that that God wants to rebuild these walls. In verses 17 and 18, he shares with them what could be. And the people, the scripture says, say, you know what? We want to be a part of that. Let's rise up and start building that wall. God's vision is to build a wall. God wants to build his kingdom and he wants to use this church to build that kingdom. And we can do that together. We just got to figure out how he wants us to do it. And so God had through Nehemiah, had shared with his people, here's what the plan is. This morning, we want, I want to share with you what God's plan is in building the wall. And we're getting into some detail as we look at Scripture and understand it's, it's like a little bit of a reality check. To think about together, what should we be about as a church? What should we be doing together as a church? How should we be reaching people for Christ as a church? So we're going to talk about that together. And one of the ways that we're going to do that this morning is through metaphor. Hopefully as you came in, you smelled a little something. Did you smell? As you came in, what did you smell? Homemade bread. I want to just apologize up front for anybody that's on the South Beach diet Anybody that's on Atkins diet and you're trying to limit your carbohydrates, uh, you know, this, is, uh, this will be a struggle for you. I know it's going to be hard to concentrate, uh, especially if you like bread. It's going to be hard to concentrate for you. So just want you to know I've prayed for you already and God will get you through, okay? He, he told us he would not put on us more than we could bear, so you can do it this morning. We're going to talk about bread this morning. I got this idea for this message through, I love listening to preachers and watching preachers, and Ed Young Jr. is a great uh, pastor, preached a sermon where I got this idea, so I wanted to just give credit where credit's due, because I'm not that smart. Um, so, this morning, we're going to look at some, a couple metaphors. One, you see here, this picture, this metaphor of a table, and A metaphor, just to kind of define that for you, a metaphor is a part of speech where you speak of one thing as if it were another. I took a semester of Shakespeare in college. They said that I needed to do that as a pastor. It was a required class if you're studying for the ministry. I always wondered why. I'm going to give you a Shakespeare quote because I don't often get to do this. Shakespeare said, All of life is a stage. That's a metaphor. This morning, I want to talk to you about two metaphors. One, you smelled as you came in, the metaphor of bread. The other is the metaphor of the table. Hopefully, you've gotten to that passage in John 6, and let's read it together as Jesus talks to us in metaphor. Jesus says to them, turning verse 32, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is not is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never thir- go, be thirsty. And then skipping down to verse 30, 47. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the desert, yet they died. But there is bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world." Jesus starts out by referring to something that his audience would have understood very quickly. He starts talking about Moses and this manna from heaven. Now, we all know the story. If you've seen the movie with Charlton Heston, you saw Moses rescue his people with God's help, of course, out of the Egyptian slavery, and they went into the promised land. And you remember that story as as they were rescued out of Egypt God does all these miraculous things. You see him parting the Red Sea. You see in Scripture the first global positioning device. God coming down as a pillar of fire by day, a cloud by night to guide them. So here is God, this cosmic global positioning device that guides them toward this promised land. Miracle after miracle taking place in, 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 on that journey and, and just prior to that journey. They're out in the desert, And they're traveling toward this land that God has promised them. And what do they start to do that I know that none of us struggle with? They started to grumble. They started to complain, God, why did you bring us out here? Moses, why did you bring us out here? Now we're going to die in the desert. At least we had food to eat when we were slaves back in Egypt. And so they're grumbling and complaining. And so God does another miracle. He sends down bread, manna from heaven. Every day they could go out and collect as much as they wanted. Now they couldn't collect extra, only enough for that one day. If they collected extra, it, got, it rotted and went bad. All, all they needed for every day for 40 years, God provided for them this manna, this bread from heaven, which they could put together and they could make into a little tortilla honey, kinda, kind of with a little honey taste to it was kind of what it, what it looked like. That's what they ate for 40 years. Now, my wife tells me I get in a rut wanting to go uh, places to eat. I just found this new restaurant, Culver's. I'd never eaten at a Culver's before. I'm in a rut. I want to go there all the time. They were in a 40-year rut, eating the same thing for 40 years. So they'd been, been complaining. God said, here's this manna. Now, what he said, Jesus says is, now, everybody that ate of that manna that Moses provided eventually died. I'm going to give you some bread. I'm going to talk to you about some bread that if you eat from this bread, you will never die. And they said, well, give us the bread. Now, they weren't understanding. They weren't tracking with him. He was talking metaphorically. He was using a metaphor. They weren't Getting the memo, they didn't get it quite yet, and so he begins to explain what uh, what he was what he was talking about. Look at verse thirty-five, and Jesus declares, "I am the bread of life," and he says, "If you eat from this bread, you will have eternal life." That first point. If you want to take some notes, Jesus is the bread of life. I was in Houston. A while back it was last year and I had some time in between these meetings that I was in. And I'd gone to the to the mall, this huge mall, and they had this huge food court. And I was I don't know if you ever do this, but I was walking up and down in front of the of the different restaurants. You know, there's a Chick-fil-A and there's Subway and there's you know, there's the Burger King and I'm walking, I'm just kinda looking, checking it out, and there's the Chinese food and then there's the there's the the, the, the Hero or Giro, Giro, whatever you call that, the, yeah, the, where you cut the stuff, yeah, the, whatever that is, yeah. Um, you know, those kind of places. I'm walking, I just walk back and forth and back and forth, you know, trying to figure out what's happening. I finally decided on this Cajun-Chinese place. Now, that's a combo. Went into the Cajun Chinese place, and I ordered my food. And, and as she's putting my food on the plate, this other girl has these samples. And so she starts giving me samples. Hey, would you like to try this? And hey, would you like to try that? And so I'm trying these other things. Now, I'm wondering, now, does the owner know that, that she's giving out samples to people that's already... I'm in, you know, I'm buying the food. Wouldn't it have been more effective if she would taken a little tray... And stood out for people like me that are walking up and down, checking it out, trying to see, you know, do I want to have that? Do I want to have that? Instead of going out where the people were, she was giving samples out to the people who were already in. And is not that not the way that we sometimes do it in the church? We shouldn't just be giving samples out to people of the bread. To people who are already here, but we should be taking the bread of life out, standing on the corner where the people are that are walking up and down the street, wondering how to satisfy this hunger that they have for something else in life. As we think about that, what I want, the other metaphor I want to talk to you about is this idea, this metaphor, this picture that the church is the table. The church is the table, and that's, if again, if you're taking notes, that that, that next point. The church is the table. The church is the place where people come, where, where, where we come to get fed, where, where we serve this bread of life so that people can eat it. And at the table, there are really three chairs in the church. Now, some churches... Just have one chair. Some churches have two chairs, but here at First Church, I would just offer up to you we absolutely need three chairs at our table. And there's three different people that sit at these three chairs. The first chair is the chair of the mature believer. Now, that's a lot of you. You have You've been in church maybe your whole life. You've you've come to Christ. You, in fact, you have been a Christian so long you don't even remember what it was like before you were a Christian. You you were baptized as a child. You've been in church your whole life, or maybe maybe as an adult you you accepted Christ maybe as a teenager, maybe you're at camp or whatever. Your entire life for a long time you've been a Christian. You've been growing in your faith. You're doing great. You are the mature believer at the table, which is the place we serve the bread. This chair is the chair of the mature believer. We as a church need to have a chair of the mature believer. We're glad you're here. The second chair is a chair for what we could call the new believer the person that's just walked across that line of faith. You've come, you've, you've explored this idea of faith in Jesus Christ, and you in a, in recently have made a decision, you know what, I need Christ in my life. I need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you have crossed that line of faith. It's not just an idea. You have a personal relationship now, and you're excited. Everything. You know you don't get everything right, and there's still maybe a bad habit or two, and you're still working on that, and, and you're still struggling, and you still you still need to grow which we all need to grow, but you really, you understand that you need to grow, and, and, but you're a new believer, so you're sitting in this chair as a new believer. Now, we need you. We need to ev- all the time have new believers at our table, which is the place, again, the table's a church, the place that we serve the bread. Important third chair. Some churches just have this first chair of the mature believers. They don't have anybody new, and they certainly don't have anybody in this chair. There are some churches that have both of these, but don't have anybody here. We need to make sure that we have all three chairs. This third chair is a chair that we're going to call the seeker. The searcher, maybe. Searcher, sorry. The searcher is that individual. And if you are here this morning, let me just say how excited that I am as the pastor here at First Church that you are here. If you, and that we are, that that you are here. If you are a searcher, you're that person that, that you, you don't really know. You don't really know. You've been exploring this idea of faith. You really don't, haven't, haven't, haven't crossed that line of faith, and you're, you're intrigued by this person, Jesus. You think he's a good guy. You love the stories about him. Sometimes you're a little hung up with some of the issues that surround us Christian people, and so you've kind of endured it, and you've been coming to church, and, and you're trying to check it out, and, and you are that searcher. Friends, we need to make sure that here at First Church, there is always always, always a place for someone sitting in this chair at our table. Amen? Amen. That searcher is that one that can just light this place up. That person that, as they come to faith in Christ, can really make this an exciting place. And so, we need to make sure that all the time, we have this chair open. Now, as we think about these chairs that God has uh, blessed us with, let me just ask you a question. Do you love the smell of bread? Have you ever been, maybe you're downstairs, you guys, maybe you're watching the football game, and you begin to smell something Maybe you begin to smell some cookies or maybe it's Christmas time and you begin to, to smell something baking upstairs and, and you, you love the game, but there's something that is just this fresh smell is just wafting through the, the house and you sneak upstairs into the kitchen to just find out what it is that's making that wonderful aroma. Friends, that is what the church should be like. That we are... So excited, and we are so engaged in serving up the bread of Jesus Christ, that, that, that the smell of Christ, the aroma of Christ, wafts out of this place and moves out of this place, into our community, into our world, and people smell the aroma of Christ emanating from this place, and they are drawn to Christ through us and through our example and through our lives, and they come into this place and they sit at our table, and we have a chair ready for them. That is the picture of the church. Mature believers, new believers, people that are searching, sitting at this table, thinking about, enjoying, and and eating this bread of life that brings eternal life together. Over the next in the next couple weeks, we're going to invite about 10,000 of our closest friends in this community to come sit at our table with us. And wouldn't it be exciting if they came? If people that were searching and people that have been turned off by church at other times or people that have never explored Christ and, and really... Maybe have a hole in their life and they've realized it. What if they came? Would that not be exciting? Is that not what we should be about? And our table needs to be ready for them. October the 7th, we're going to start a new series of messages. And in that series of messages, we're going to talk about handling life's difficulties. We're going to talk about handling marriage and handling parenting and and handling difficult people and handling uh, the storms of life over those four weeks. And we are going to make sure that the table is set and ready for the searcher that comes. We'll also make sure that at our table, there's going to be something for the mature believer and something for the new believer during those weeks. But again, the picture is the table set. Now, let me, let's ask some further questions. We understand that the church is the table, Let's think about what a healthy meal looks like at our table. Let me just give you some things. When you go to the doctor and you talk about being healthy, what does the doctor tell you? The doctor tells you that it's all about diet and that evil little word, exercise. Diet and exercise. So at our table, as we serve up the bread, we will emphasize diet and exercise. Now, the diet is the bread. The diet is feasting on Christ. The diet is is us taking in and getting energy so that we can then in turn exercise our faith. So it's not just about being mature believers and coming to church and and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating And, and we don't care about this person, we don't care about this person, it's just all about me. That's not what a healthy meal needs to look like at First Church. A healthy meal at First Church is us coming together, us sitting in this chair as mature believers, us eating of the bread of life, and then pushing back from the table, getting up, going into our world, and living out our faith. We're going to emphasize diet and exercise. Now, the second thing, as we think about what does a healthy meal look like at First Church, is that we want to provide something for all of our guests. We can't afford just to focus on the mature believer. We can't just afford to focus on only the new believer. And we can't afford just to focus as a church on the searchers. Any focus at the expense of everybody else is a wrong focus. We need to provide something for all of our guests. Now, for those of you who have the gift of hospitality, people come over to your house, what do you do when you know someone's coming over to the house? When someone's coming over to the house, if you're at the Culp house, everybody gets some work to do. Uh, Boys, clean up your room. Uh, And the drill sergeant, you know who that is. Uh, You're going to do this. And and David, you're going to do that. And uh, Crystal's folks came in over the weekend, and they're here with us. And so we all got jobs and responsibilities. Now, if someone's coming over to the house... Everybody gets their things to do, and you and you clean up the house, and you and you set the table. You don't eat on the on the paper plates when when, when guests, important guests, are coming over the house. You get out the you know get out the real thing, and, and when someone knocks at the door and it's the guest, you don't just yell from the back, "Hey, come on in!" Yeah, you go, you greet them, you make them feel welcome, you take their coat, you ask if they need anything, you want something to drink. You are focused on them. If they've got, some of you have gluten allergies, don't you? And you can't eat certain foods. If you go, or the, the MSG thing, you know, you, there are certain things you can't eat. Or some of you may, you may be a vegetarian. So if your host knows that you, uh, you know, that you ex, your face explodes when you eat seafood, you know, a good host is not going to have seafood. It's not going to have gluten. not going to have MSG. It's not going to have, you know, the, for the vegetarian, we're not going to barbecue burgers out in the backyard. You're going to understand who the person is that's coming over, and you're going to be a good host. Okay? We need to make sure that we are understanding who's going to be sitting at our table, that there's mature believers and we're going to make sure there's something for the mature believer, the new believer, and the person that's searching. We need to make sure there is something for everybody, for all of our guests at our table as we serve up this bread. The church cannot just be about me. I can't sit in this chair And I can't ignore the other people at the table. I can't, church cannot be, a relationship with Jesus Christ cannot be all about me just eating and eating and eating and I don't care about anybody else and it's all about my preferences and all about what I want and it's all about what makes it easy for me and it's all about, you know, all of those issues. When, when, When life is all about us at the expense of everybody else, it just makes us and everybody else miserable. But when we are sitting at the table And we're excited about who is sitting there with us. That's when it gets fun. When we are willing to consider who is sitting at the table with us. Now I want to talk to each of the groups. You mature believers, here's what we need from you. As we think about that we need to provide something for all of our guests. Here's what I need. I need you to, and, and this is cool because you already get this. But when someone walks in that's sitting at this chair or someone here, that you have an understanding of why we do what we do. That you understand that, that w- there will be elements in our worship time and elements of the way that we are organized as a church that, 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 that make this person feel okay about being here. I don't know about you, but I was enthralled by the interpretive dance this morning. It's awesome. What a wonderful way, in this community especially, that has such an emphasis on the arts. Why, why do we let the world take it all and, and, and pervert it, why don't we take the arts back? And we have a chance to do it. And when we do that, we can engage our culture. When we throw a video clip up, we can engage our culture. When we sing songs that, 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 that sound, you know, that, that have, a, have a, a sound that resonates with, with a certain people group or whatever, that's all good stuff. And I, I'm delighted that you get that, that you're open to that kind of thing. And we must be that. And so, what do I need from you? We need from you to just be understanding as we try to reach people, that you understand that sometimes we do things because of the people in this chair or the people in this chair. The other thing that we need as we think about all of our guests is we need you mature believers to be engaged financially, to be engaged serving uh, in ministry in places, to totally be engaged in what's going on as a mature believer. The second group, you new believers, you're kind of like the teenager at the table. Now, a teenager sitting at the table uh, begins to have some responsibilities, don't you? And that's what you need. You need to begin to take some responsibility. You need to find a place to serve and find a place to grow. The other thing that we need you to do, let me personally ask you, you are the group at the table, one of the two groups at the table, that actually knows people that are not Christians. Is it not true that when we're sitting in this chair, that we slowly lose all contact with anybody except other mature believers? That's just reality. Now, we need to change that. We need to work on that and that not be the case. But for the most part, it is, unfortunately. But you people that are here, you know people that need to know about Jesus Christ. You know people that are, that are still out there that are searching for something, and you now have found it. Bring them with you. And also find your place to be engaged. And the, you that are sitting in this chair, again, let me just say how excited I am that you're here. And if anybody that's sitting in the chair would like to sit down and go have a Coke or go talk about Christ and explore this with someone personally across the table, I would love to be that person. So please call me, email me, let's go have lunch, let's talk about it. But what I want from you, very simply... You just keep coming. You just keep searching. Come and just in a real honest way, try to engage and try to really search and ask God to reveal himself to you. And I guarantee you, if you will ask that and seek him in an honest pursuit, you will find what you're looking for. Okay, so we're going to provide something for all of our guests at the table. The next thing that we need to do or is kind of thinking about all this is that we're going to serve up the bread in four ways. We're going we're to serve up the bread through worship. We're going to serve up the bread through fellowship. We're going to serve up the bread through discipleship. We're going to serve up the bread through outreach. Those are going to be the, the ways that, so in these four forms, that's going to be the way that we engage our world with this bread. Now let me give you some practical ways then. What should I do now with the bread? The first thing that we need to do with the bread is to seek to understand who in my life is hungry? Who in my life is hungry? As we're thinking about what should I do with the bread, who in my life is hungry? Now, that doesn't mean mean that we need to know all there is about bread. In order to tell somebody about the bread, you don't need to know how to make bread You don't need to know all, you know, the nutritional content of the bread. You don't need to know all the different kinds of bread. All you need to do is to say, hey, you know what? I ate this bread, and it is awesome, and you need to have a piece as well. So you don't have to know theology. You don't need to have to know the nuances of of the whole Bible and all of that to tell somebody, hey, I ate of this bread. I was hungry. I found something in the person of Jesus Christ. And so who in your life is hungry? Tell them about the bread that you have found. People in our world are still trying to eat the manna, the stuff that the world is giving, the manna that if they eat of it, it'll satisfy for a little bit, but they will eventually die. The manna from heaven is not where it's at. It is the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ. The second thing that we need to do, I want to encourage all of you to do, is we all need to pass out samples. Don't be like the girl at the at restaurant that I went to at the mall who just wanted to pass out samples of someone that was already eaten at the restaurant. We need to pass out samples of this bread, not to the people who are already full, but we need to pass out the samples of the people, again, that we found that are hungry in our lives. And we do that as, by, by living our lives uh, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ in a real honest way that, that we are living out our faith. We need to do that. We need to be handing out samples. And again, October 7th, let me just commit to you that if you will bring someone that you know in your life that's hungry, that has yet to accept Jesus Christ in a personal way, someone that's maybe searching, maybe someone's going through a difficult time in their life, if you will bring them, I give you my word that I will do my best at presenting this bread of life in a way that they will find relevant. And we'll find in a way that will help them discover Jesus Christ in a personal way. I give you my word. Please, let's work together to do that. The last, and the next thing is just to encourage you to do your part. To just do your part. As you sit at the table, to do your part. If you're a mature believer, if you're a new believer, there are things that are going on in this church that could be better if you were involved. Uh, that could be more organized if you were involved. That could reach more people if you were engaged. There are there are agencies, there are nonprofits in this community that if you were there and if you were engaged and if you were serving Christ through that agency, it would be better. It would reach people. It would provide needs in our community. So again, do your part if you're sitting at the table. Marvin Lewis, Bengals coach. I got to throw a Bengals. Uh, illustration in here on you know this is the big weekend the football kicks off for those of you follow the Bengals you probably don't up here i I don't have any cubs illustrations or or bears or lions but uh, anyway the Bengals where i was from had just terrible seasons season after season after season then marvin lewis came along and has totally changed that organization around here's what he said was the key he said it the key was everybody did their part That's pretty profound. And we will build this wall. We will reach people for Christ. We will change our world. We will make a difference when everyone does their part. Amen? Amen. Last thing. Last thing, and we're going to do this in a literal way today. I want you to sit at the table and eat. If you're a mature believer, you need to be eating. Eating. If you're a new believer, you need to be eating. And if you are sitting in this chair as a searcher today, today, my friend, is your day. When you can not just sit at the table and not just sit over here well, these two groups are, are eating and buttering up the bread and they're eating it and you're sitting there and you're thirsty or you're hungry and, and your mouth is watering but you're, I don't know, I don't know if I want a piece, I, I don't know, and, and you're smelling of it and you're taking little nibbles. Today is the day when you can eat of the bread of life. In a very literal way, right now, we're going to take communion, the Lord's Supper, together. ask those that are going to help us to prepare to wait on us. As they're preparing to wait on us, as we conclude our time this morning, as you take this bread, understand that it represents, metaphorically, the body of Christ. That was given for you. Understand as you take the cup, it represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. The scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or there is no forgiveness of sin. Today, Jesus Christ, the bread, is the way. And as you take in the bread, as we worship together, and if you're ready, if you could come on down and begin to serve. And as they are serving you, I want you to, and our worship folks come back up. This morning, as you take the bread, and you take the cup, and, and I'm going to bless it. So, let me if we just hold on, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to bless it before you actually serve. As you take the, the elements, I want you just to hold them. And during this time of worship, I want you to take the elements when you're ready. You don't have to wait on anybody else. Just as you've talked to the Lord and you're ready, you go ahead. But as you take it, I want you to take it in an unworthy fashion. I want you to take it, and I want you to say to God as you take it, God, as I take your son into my life, I'm ready to do what you want me to do, to build this wall, to help around the table to do what I need to do. I'm going to take my responsibilities seriously. And I'm going to engage you as you take the bread. And now for that person, you're that searcher. You've been sitting in that that chair. Today's your day. I'm going to pray for you. I want you to just ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. I want you just to affirm that He's Lord of your life. Today, as you take the bread, you do it in a totally different way because you take it, take Him as your Savior for the first time in this service. Father, God, as we worship you, as we take these elements, we pray that you would bless them. Father, we thank you for what they mean to us. We thank you for what they represent. And now, as an act of worship, we take of the Lord's Supper together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now, if you would serve the elements. Amen. What a wonderful time of worship to end our... Service today on uh, taking communion, singing about the wonderful person of Jesus Christ in our life. And I hope that you just feel him pouring over you. Let me just share with you a couple things as you leave today. One, if you're with us for the first time, we're delighted to have you with us. We want to welcome you to First Church. Hope you feel very welcome. There are some uh, people that would love to meet you and give you some information about our church. If you go down this hall or down the, in this gathering area, all the way to the end on the right is a little room. They've got some information. Uh, they won't shave your head. They won't give you any Kool-Aid. But they will give you some good information about the church. We'd love to have you come and, uh, and just get to know what's going on, answering questions you might have about First Church. Another thing, if you're new to First Church, Um, There's a class called 101, uh, and I'm looking for Bob. Bob's in here. Bob Confer. He's in class. Is he teaching that today? Okay. There's a class that meets during this hour, and we will miss you, but we would encourage you to come, go to that, uh, which just tells you about all the wonderful things going on at First Church. It's a great way to get just acclimated and get to know what's going on, so I encourage you to do that. And then the the other thing, if you're new here, is we've got a connections uh, life group. A life group is a small group. It's a great Place for you to get to know people, get to meet new people. The twenty third of September is the first life group um, that we're going to have. It's it meets here again in that that room. I told you where they're not. They don't hand out the Kool Aid or shave people's head. Last room on the right, down this gathering area in that Heritage room. Is it called Heritage room? If you're new, again, it's a great way. Or if you maybe been here three months, six months, nine months, but you haven't got really got connected yet, that's the perfect place for you to to come. That meets the Second and the fourth Sundays, great place to get engaged. And the last thing, this is just a personal thing to just ask you personally to do. Um, And that is, we've got this great picture directory, I want to get to know you. I don't want to just say, hey, every Sunday. I want to know your name, okay? (laughs) The best way in the world for me to get to know your name is if you just get your picture made. And again, when they get your picture made, they don't hand out Kool-Aid, they don't shave your head, and it doesn't cost anything, all right? So if you, you could sign up this last Sunday, I think, to do that, uh, and they've got, there's one more setting. So please do that. That would help me uh, get to know you. We're delighted that you're here. Are you glad you came to church to worship our, the living God today? Amen. Father, as we leave today, I pray that you'd help us think about the wonderful people that you've placed in our lives that are hungry, that are thirsty, and we know the bread, we know the living water. Help us to be the light of this world as we leave in Christ's name. Amen. Be blessed as you leave.